This is the Wu Wei Wisdom Podcast, our weekly no-nonsense life lessons aimed to inspire you to master your emotional and spiritual health, achieve balance, harmony, and flow, and rediscover the authentic and awesome you. We're your hosts, David James Lees and Alexandra Lees. This week, we are talking all about self-blame. Now, do you always blame yourself when something goes wrong in your life? So if you are experiencing difficulties in your relationship or a family member or loved one is struggling or unhappy, or if there are problems at work, do you always assume it's your fault that it's because you're not good enough, that you're useless. Well, in this week's teaching, we're going to be uncovering the real cause of self-blame. We'll share the connection between dysfunctional childhood experiences and self-blame in adulthood. And of course, we'll be offering the solution to your self-blame habit. Okay, David, so if I'm always automatically blaming myself for any difficulties or problems that I encounter or someone I love encounters, what is going on here? I think it's a really good subject for us to discuss. And for those of you at home who are practicing these techniques for yourself, we're going to be covering a lot of the different var- the variations, the golden thread, the flip, and the inner child and the critical self-talking. So I think we're going to be covering a lot of subjects today. So one word you said there that was very interesting, Alex, you said automatically. Mm -hmm. And I want you to be aware that if you use this word, oh, it's just automatic, oh, it's ingrained, oh, it's a habit, oh, I can't do anything about it. This is a very important subject for you to consider because you know the two principles that I try and repeat on every video. You are the creator of your emotions. You are not the victim, and you control your mind. Your mind does not control you. So if you use words like, oh, this is automatically, oh, I can't get out of it, oh, it's ingrained, what you're doing is you're giving up all control over your thought process and therefore your beliefs, and you're kind of sentencing yourself to uh, the same lifestyle and life thinking for for the rest of your life unless this changes your Unless we can change your belief and your thinking. I mean, you're definitely right. If someone is constantly blaming themselves for every problem they have or every problem that a family member has or, you know, difficulties in their relationship, if they're saying it's all my fault, that that's a real heavy burden to carry around with with yourself, isn't it? Well, that's the power of the of the technique that we call the inner child. And remember, when we mention the inner child, we're not talking about something outside of you. It's just a label for a part of your mind. You may prefer to call it your ego or your emotional mind or your subconscious mind. I think the label of the inner child works much more powerfully because that part of your mind acts like a child because most of these beliefs were set up or inherited in your childhood, such as this blame technique. I'm working with a client now, and and she's very much connected into this blame thinking 
because she sees herself as responsible for taking care of her mother. So when she was a child, she was living in a very dysfunctional, violent house, and she saw herself as a six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old, someone that has to stand in between her mother and her father to protect her mother. And that belief is now ingrained in her mentality, her way of thinking. And so it just progresses on into her kind of adult life. And now she blames herself for everything. If anything goes wrong at work, if something doesn't work out right, if something's wrong in the family, it's me. It must be me. And that's the automatic response that we're talking about. So that's what we're trying to work with her, is to do the golden thread, to understand where that belief created and then allows her to consider changing her beliefs. So in the example of this this type client, and I know it's it's a reoccurring theme yeah. for a lot of your clients, the belief wasn't necessarily given to them by a parent. So for a lot of people, if their parents were critical of them and said, you know, this mummy's upset with you, it's your fault, or you haven't done this right, it's your fault, and now this is going to be a problem. That belief that it's their fault, they're to blame, was almost explicitly given to them by a parent. But for oft oftentimes, a client or a person can have that belief that it's their responsibility. If mummy or daddy are upset, or if there's arguments, or if people are angry, or people leave the household, or there's some sort of dysfunctionality, the child can just assume that it's their fault without actually being explicitly having the finger pointed at them. That's very important, Alex, because you're absolutely right. It can be very specific where you're told, if it wasn't for you, we would be happy. If it wasn't for you, we would have more money. If it wasn't for you, we would be able to move and we're stuck. Or it can be much more subtle. It can be inferred. And a sensitive child will pick up this inference very easily. And I think it's even more powerful, to be honest, when it's inferred, because it's something you tell yourself. So you have a child here, so six, seven, eight, nine, and she's gathered the things that are going wrong in my family, in my household, is my responsibility. It's my fault. And that's a very powerful, and that's why we call it the vow because that can set the model for the rest of your life, because it's going through that filter. And this is what beliefs are. Beliefs in these from childhood act like a filter to filter everything that's going on. So of course you don't wake up every morning and sit on the end of your bed and say, I'm going to blame myself for everything today. But actually, that's what you're doing, because everything that happens, even down to something like the weather, you'll blow, oh, look, it's too, every time I want to do something, it's my fault. You'll always blame yourself because this is so familiar and so normal to you. You don't challenge it until you do this work. And this is why this work is very powerful and profound for you to look, to reverse engineer from your emotions. That's what the golden thread does. Why are you creating those red light emotions? And to go back and to look at the thought pattern and the belief that, cre that creates those red light emotions. So I can understand, David, that as a child we can misunderstand or we can take what our parents tell us and not question it because we haven't got the emotional intelligence or the life experience to know better. 
that and we can blame ourselves. But why is it that as an adult, when we've got now more emotional intelligence or we've got more life experience, why are we still doing this blame game? Because we don't do the self-reflection. So if you use the analogy of the inner child, when you get to those emotional, difficult and challenging situations in your life, you as the mature adult is not in control. The part of your mind that I'm calling the inner child steps forward and you kind of agree with them when they say, well, there you are, look, that's evidence, that's confirmation, that's the proof, there you are, it always goes wrong. Look at everybody else, they're successful, look at me, it must be something to do with me. And you've, al you've almost bought the product, you agree with them, and so it's very difficult for you to challenge them. That's where I think that for my clients I can help because I will challenge them and I say, well, why do you think that? And you know what they normally say when we go the golden thread and we go down and I ask them why? So why do you think that? So why do you think that? They go, I don't know. I don't know. But this is so important because this is setting the blueprint for your life, for the way you do things. So the direct answer to your question is why don't we change it? Because there's a part of the mature mind believes mm -hmm. that it wasn't fair believes that it's ingrained, believes they can't change it, even though you're changing beliefs every day. Every day you change a belief and you update a belief and you tweak a belief. But my clients look me right in the eye and say, I can't change this one. It's out of my control. It's somewhere outside of me. I am the servant to this belief. And that can't be true. If you create your beliefs, then you can't be the subject, you can't be the slave to your own belief system. This does not make sense. And I'm, I'm wondering, David, if we, if we have developed uh, the habit as a child of blaming ourselves for everything uh, within the family dynamic or within the childhood environment that we were brought up in, and that becomes the norm, that becomes our story, that becomes the comfortable familiar, if you like, even though it is a form of self-harm. Do you think as adults we then reconstruct similar dynamics in terms of the people who we choose for our partners, the people who we choose for our friends, the bosses that we put up with in terms of how they relate to us, that we want to recreate that familiar situation where we're taking the blame, we're the one to try and make things better, we're the one who's taking all the responsibility for any hiccups or problems in relationships or hiccups or problems at work and that certain individuals will almost take advantages of us because of that habit. That's absolutely right, 100% right and this is why this is such an important teaching for you to consider because how Alex explained it is exactly right. You just go on repeated, different people, different times, different events but the same principle that you are stepping forward. You're the first one to take responsibility. And did you hear Alex use the word habit? You see, this is what we say. Oh, it's my habit. Oh, it, it, I can't help it. Oh, I've done it before I've realized. Oh, I've spoken. And this is what the Wu Wei teaching is about. Stop using that word. Replace the word habit with choice. I choose to do, to do this. Now, a lot of clients will absolutely 
almost kind of jump back when, uh, as when I say, so why did you choose that? They go, I'm not choosing it. It's a habit. Well, I'm sorry. A habit is a choice that you've set on default. Be accountable. Here comes an important Wu Wei teaching. Be accountable for what you think. Take responsibility. Don't send it into the habit jungle. Oh, it's just a habit. Oh, I just respond. Oh, it's just, it's ingrained. Oh, I can't do anything about it. Because when you do that, it's the poor me syndrome. You're shoving it off into the long ground and you're making yourself the slave. So you are becoming emotionally reactive. You create the emotion and then you react to the emotion. Think of what you're doing. You create the emotion, whether it's fear, anxiety, being scared, anger, jealousy. You are creating that emotion and then you react to the emotion that you're creating. This is why it gets confused. And then it's easier, as Alex said, a lot of my clients will use that word. It's easier, David. It's easier. It's not easier. The life that you're living, this dysfunctional, out-of-balance life, can't be easier, can it? Come on. It is familiar. It's what you're used to, and you'll keep on repeating unless you take full accountability and self-responsibility for what you think and why you think it. I think that word reactivity is a big part to play in this equation because it strikes me that Oftentimes, if we have this kind of habit or this, we constantly make the choice to blame ourselves, it's in reaction not only to our own red light emotions. So if we find, face a challenging situation or a difficult situation or something goes wrong, we experience uncomfortable red light emotions and the self-blame then become, becomes the reaction. But for a lot of people, particularly highly sensitive people, they also react to other people's emotions. So if a partner is angry with us or a, a partner is upset and, and breaks up the relationship or a, a mother is upset or un, uh, unhappy or the boss is frustrated, we automatically assume that it's our fault and we've got to make it better. So we're not only reacting by blaming ourselves to our red light emotions, we're also being highly sensitive and attuned to other people's emotions and saying their red light emotions are our fault and we've got to make it better for them. Otherwise, this isn't right. You're absolutely right again. You're spot on. The client I referred to at the beginning of this session does exactly the same. And I said to her, she is now the emotional carer for her mother. She sees herself as the emotional guardian. She sees herself as in control of trying to be in control of her mother's emotions. And so she puts herself in as a kind of a, a guard for her mother not being upset, not being scared, not being angry, not being depressed, not being this, not being that. Her life is now absolutely focused on her mother's emotions. And this is why that teaching is so profound, life-changing. You are the creator of your emotions. You are not the victim. So therefore, other people create their own emotions. You do not create an emotion in someone else. The example that Alex used, if your boss is angry, upset, 
That's not your fault. He's creating that emotion. It would be much better to try and understand what it is that's creating the emotion rather than nulling the emotion. You see, this is why being emotional, reactive doesn't work because you're constantly going around as in a circle. Think about it. You create the emotion. The beliefs, the thinking create the emotion. If you just focus on the emotion, you're missing out the creation of the emotion. And that's why it gets very confusing. And that's our job here is to try and clear the confusion. If you do not want someone you love to experience a red light emotion, you can't protect them from creating the emotion. You have to find out and understand why they are creating the emotion. Then you may be able to help them. So what you're saying is our inner child, it's like as soon as we experience a difficulty or a problem or we see someone in our life who is upset or angry, it's like we revert to that child we once were and we say, it's our fault, we've got to make it better, we've got to make it better for mummy or we've got to make it better for that important person or they're cross with me, I don't want them to be cross with me. We revert to that childlike almost to that young child that we once were and we act and respond from that place rather than acting from a place of maturity because as you say say in the example of the boss being angry or frustrated about something at work that now we may have a part to play in the dynamic of why you know so it's not like saying oh we were not responsible at all for anything and everyone it's not our fault it's everyone else's fault But it's about approaching it with not just trying to firefight someone else's emotions and put a blanket over it and squash them down to say, okay, let's look at this rationally. Let's look at this pragmatically. If if my boss is angry or my partner's gone off and had an affair or my mother's deeply upset, let's, let's have a kind of sit down and have a rational think about this. Do I actually have a part to play in that that I can authentically do something about? rather than, I guess, wholesale saying, it's all my fault, it must be me, I'm useless. I think it's redirecting your focus. Rather than focusing on the displaying emotion, you focus on the cause of the emotion. So using your example, if the boss is angry, and you may have had a part to play in him creating anger, wouldn't it be better to focus on what it is, the stimulus, the event, rather than focusing on their anger? And this is where you have to be very clear thinking. Let me put you into a more complicated situation. If you have a physical child and the child is upset, the number one thing that we do is to try and take that emotion away from the child rather than focusing on what it is that created the upset. Because if you try and take the emotion away, put them in a cotton wool bubble, tell them, don't worry, give it to mommy and daddy, mommy and daddy will take care of it. You're not educating them at all. You're making them disabled to their emotions rather than saying, you'd say better than I'm going to say, I can see and I acknowledge that you're really upset. Now let's focus on what's upset you. Let's see what it is about that incident, that event, that person, that challenge, that stimulus. Let's focus on that because that's when you're an adult, that's when you can do something about it. So update that now to the boss. 
the boss is angry, rather than kind of tiptoeing around his anger and trying to please him, let's focus on what it is that made him angry. You could have had something to do with it. Wouldn't it be better to find out what, it, what part you had to play and so you can learn the lesson? But in my experience, you had very little to do, to do with it and it's just the way that he deals with challenges, with stress, with difficulty. He, he thinks that this is the way to do it, to stomp around the office, to slam doors, to put files down, to raise his voice. That may be his technique. And then you can see that the real cause is nothing to do with you. Well, nothing to do. It's just a normal day in the office with normal situations that actually he can't deal with. Mm. And I, I guess if we do start to shift from a pattern of behavior of always taking the blame for things, of always trying to make things better, of always trying to people please to resolve problems, and then we start to act more authentically, to stand up for ourselves, to set boundaries and to say, hold on a minute, this is not all my fault. There's, 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 you have a part to play here or let's have a conversation about this rather than automatically saying it's all me. I would imagine for a lot of people, the other person, whether it's their boss, their partner, their parent, might not like that shift in behavior because all of a sudden they are now having, I guess, not the finger pointed at them, but they are now also having to be more accountable because mm. you are, you're standing your ground a little bit more. You're not taking responsibility for things that are not your responsibility. Exactly. There's a couple of things you said there was very, was very important. You said standing up for yourself and clearing your boundaries. And when I work with clients on this, they see this as you've got to come somehow stick out your chest and raise your voice and, and challenge and shout and scream. And standing up for yourself is nothing to do with that. It's just shifting the focus rather than on the emotion to the incident. So as Alex said, when you do that with a member of your family or your friends or somebody at work, when you stop focusing on their emotions and trying to placate them by people-pleasing them or stroking them or bending over backwards or whatever you're doing and say, oh, that's interesting, so what is it that's actually made you upset? Let's see, let's see. And if you say, well, it's your fault, it's your fault. Great, okay. Can you, can you tell me why it's my fault? So I do not see this standing up for yourself or setting your boundaries at something that's aggressive. I see it as almost the opposite, as generally interested. If somebody says, well, it's your fault, David, I want to know why you perceive it to be my fault. You could be right. And if you're right, then I need to learn that lesson. But in my experience, it's very rare that one person is always right and one person is always wrong. But if you focus on the issue, the situation, the event, the person, you're more likely to sort that out than being reactive to the emotion. So it's a difference between being proactive to the event and being reactive to the emotion. Because if you're living your, your life in a reactive state, you're just like a pinball machine, bouncing off of everything, running around, trying to please everyone. And then in the end, you please no one, including yourself. And you become 
depleted, you become confused, you don't know what's what, you even forget your own beliefs. You're so busy trying to listen and conform with other people's beliefs and standards, you lose sight of what your beliefs are. And this is why it's so important. This is a very important teaching here, simply because it covers a lot of the things we talk about. We haven't even mentioned CCJ, criticizing, comparing, and being judgmental. And this is what the inner child does. It will criticize yourself. It will go, well, it's your fault, isn't it? It must be your fault. You're not good enough. And then you see you fall into the three lies. You're not good enough. You can't cope with this. This job is too much for you. They're always picking fault with you. Then you're being judgmental about yourself and about other people. So this is a kind of a carousel of despair going round and around, getting more and more confused rather than stepping back, bringing it back to the basics. I create my emotions. I am not the victim of them. I I control my mind. My mind does not control me. So when I think of something, let me find the reasons why I believe this. Not just say it without believing it. Yeah, and not automatically follow what the inner child is telling us, which is basically the same blame story that we gave ourselves. Absolutely. And that's that's why the golden thread is so important, Alex, because it's it's a gentle way to say to yourself so why do i think that so where did that come from and so many of our clients uh, they write to us and say thank you david i've done the golden thread i'm down to the three lies i believe i'm not good enough now what do i do now well you do the golden thread again you self-inquiry why do you believe you're not good enough where did that come from you were, were you born not good enough And all of my clients would say, no, of course I wasn't born not good enough. That doesn't make sense. So that means from year zero to year six, seven, eight, you have learned. You have learned that you're not good enough. Let's go and check who you learned it from and make sure that they are responsible, good, authentic, and spiritual teacher to teach you such a profound lesson that's going to affect the rest of your life. Can we trust this teacher who is giving you this pearl of wisdom? My son, my daughter, you're not good enough. You will not be able to cope. You are unworthy or unlovable. Can we trust the source? And that is the way you unpick and unravel this confusion. One of the most important things of the Wu Wei wisdom model is to clear the confusion. I sometimes, when I'm working with clients, it's like a big ball of Mm. spaghetti and we're just pulling out each strand and laying it out. You can keep that belief if you say, yes, everything my father said is true. I have to believe everything he said. I'm just making this up. My father once said to me, you'll never make nothing of yourself. And I believe him. Really? Are you going to set your life parameters on that one statement, even if he repeated it a million times, if every morning he's come into your bedroom and says, I believe you're not going to be good enough, are you going to believe him so much that you set the rest of your life on that one statement that somebody else has given you? And that's what we have to challenge. And I think, as you say, we don't 
often it can, I guess our inner child thinks it's easier just to carry on with the same self-blame default rather than start to question these core beliefs that we've carried with ourselves from childhood rather than question the patterns of behavior which are essentially self-harming patterns of behavior we it's almost like uh, although it is very harmful and painful for us to constantly blame ourselves for everything the inner child sees it as the easier option because you know when we were talking about well rather than blaming yourself why not speak to the person about what what's actually the problem what role they might have to play in it start communicating about it the inner child the the prospect of that for the inner child is like whoa i don't want to go there that's going to be really difficult i don't want them to get more angry with me i don't want them to get more upset with me i don't want them to think i'm unloving so actually the easier thing is just to carry on doing what i'm always i've always done which is blaming myself how do we teach our inner child to push through because initially when we start to have those difficult conversations that we may never have had before it will feel jarring it will feel awkward we will get red light feelings from it how do we push the inner child through that i think in in that example that you just used which is a really good example and i'm sure when you're listening to this you can kind of resonate with what alex is saying but what I would hear if I was working with a client who said that is that they've maturely accepted that they create their emotions, but the part of the mind, and this is why I like the inner child analogy, that part of the mind that we call the inner child, they haven't accepted that they create the emotions. And they see that the emotions are somehow as an external, outside of themselves, attack that's going to attack them. So when you hear what Alex said, she said the inner child then projects ahead. Well, if I've got to go and speak to my boss, to my husband, to my wife, to my friend, to my partner, and try and find out what the problem is, they're not going to be happy. And that could be right. They're not going to be happy. So I do not want to experience that. So therefore, and then Alex said a very important word, it's easier See, remember I'm always saying in these videos, it's not easier, it's familiar. And what the part of your mind is actually saying, it is familiar if I experience, if I kind of self-harm, that's more familiar than risking what this other person could do for me. That's like holding on to a, a wild animal. I don't know where that's going to go. But if I create the pain i don't like the pain i don't like the pain i wish i didn't experience the pain but that is more familiar to me that road is a road that i'm used to traveling this road where i go and sit in front of someone and say okay you're angry and you're saying that you're angry because of me could you explain to me so i understand what it is that you think that i did that is so bad it's so wrong. Because if it is wrong, then I'll change. Of course I would. Why, why wouldn't you change? If somebody pointed out something that you were doing, that you've completely been blindsided, you don't understand you're doing it. And if they say, how would you happen if that happened to you? So okay, I never realized. Thank you for pointing that out to me. Now it will not happen again. 
isn't that much easier. But the inner child part of your mind really fundamentally dislikes the unfamiliar, the unknown. He doesn't know what that reaction is going to be. So the part of your mind will much prefer to choose the familiar, knowing that it's going to create the pain. But in a way, that emotional pain is familiar to you. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say, and most of my clients have a big problem with this. You're doing it because there's a benefit. And they roll their eyes. They say, you must be crazy. There's no benefit in this anxiety, David. There's no benefit in this stress. There's no benefit benefit in this feeling of fear and, and, and scared, I say there is a benefit. You see that as familiar and the road, the lesser of two evils. I want to try and convince you that being able to learn to address somebody in a calm, focused way with you in control of your emotions, even if they lose their emotions, you stay in control. And that really is the difference. Here comes another important teaching between confronting and confrontation. Confrontation means the two parties are not controlling their emotions. They are emotionally reactive. Confronting means that one party is controlling their emotion. So even if the other party is, oh, yeah, you drive me mad, you're always the same. As long as you keep your Wu Wei, your center, your breath, your connection to your Shen, they can shout and scream and, and have st I, always, I always think of that cartoons, you know, when steam comes out of someone's ears and the eyes come out on springs. That's what I think. Steam coming out of the ears and you just wait for them to finish and you say, so can we get back to what it is that you're really upset about? And learning that technique. And as Alex is right, you don't learn that on day one. You start very gently on small things and you build up and you build up. But it's a life-changing techniques of you living in Wu Wei, of you flourishing, of you being the best that you can be, of you living by your principles, not by something you've inherited from your parents or your teachers, by what you believe to be the truth. And that is, to me, is the definition of Shen or spirituality. You living in your truth and integrity. You believing what you believe and you know why you believe it. And sticking calmly to that position. And yes, it will take time. And people say, how long? Years? No, no, it doesn't take years. But it may take a month or so. First of all, it starts with you. You clearing up your thoughts. You speaking the truth to yourself. Doesn't that sound strange? You speaking the truth to yourself. How many times do you lie to yourself and say, oh, it's just a white lie. It doesn't really matter. Nobody knows. No, speak the truth. Be honest. Start with you and then it easily spreads out like dropping a pebble in a pond. The ripples will gradually go out and you're in control of it. And that speaking the truth is we've got to be so very careful what we say to ourselves because if we constantly lie to ourselves by blaming ourselves for everything, everything bad that goes on in our, in our life or everyone 
who has a is upset or angry around us, if we blame ourselves for that and have that inner narrative, that's a lie. Exactly. But we start to believe it to be the truth. And if we're not careful. You know something, Alex, that's very important. And a lot of clients say that to me. And I, I would disagree. I don't think you ever believe it. I just think it goes down to what you said earlier. It becomes the easy way out, yeah. the familiar road. Speaking that narrative, telling yourself, oh, it's because I'm not good enough. Oh, it's because I'm unlovable. Oh, it's because I'm not worthy. Oh, it's because I can't cope. That is a kind of a, an easy, this word easy is very important in the inner child work. And I want you to replace it to familiar. It's a familiar way out. Oh, it's me. It's always me. It always ends up with me. Oh, leave it. Oh, I'll just go into a dark room and feel sorry for myself. And so it's a very familiar path. And that's what we're trying to change. And that's changed, as I, as I said, when you're doing this work, and I've said this literally hundreds of times on the video, it starts with you. Nobody even has to know that you're doing it. Just make sure that everything you think, everything you say, is what you believe to be the truth. Kind of reflect on it every lunchtime and nighttime. Have I been truthful? Have I said those things I said? Were they critical? Did I actually believe it? Do I believe that that's truthful? And that's a great place for you to start. And it doesn't involve anybody. You don't have to go and pay a therapist. You can do this for yourself. Just keep a little diary if you like a person that writes things down. And notice for yourself, have the honesty. How many times did I, I call it a lie, you know, most of my clients say, well, it's not really a lie, is it, David? They'll say, it's a white lie. Well, nobody hears. I would just say to myself, one of the things that I've said a long time ago, and it went viral, is be mindful of your self-talk because it's a conversation with the universe. You know, Other people may not hear it, but when you tell yourself that, it affects your energy, your vibrations on a very deep profound level it changes you as a person mm -hmm. it changes how you walk talk eat dress sleep live and just work on that for yourself stop this blame game this is a nonsense you how can you be responsible for everything and, every, and everybody else it's a nonsense and you know it's a nonsense and i'm just wondering you know if we blame ourselves, it's constantly doing ourselves down. And Absolutely. I guess we need to speak to ourselves and do that self-check as if, you know, would I blame a loved one, a best friend, my own child in the way I blame myself for everything? Would I say to them, it's your fault. The reason your partner's left you is your fault. The reason your boss is angry, it's all your fault. That kind of harshness and con consistency of blaming we wouldn't do it to someone we loved and yet we do it to ourselves you know uh, i i often say that to my clients and, and you know it's a technique in the Wu Wei model would you do that would you say that to your physical child and they're horrified they say you're joking i would never do that to my physical child it's it's a paramount to torture it's 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 violence it's abusive but i say that's exactly what you're doing to uh, to yourself and then they kind of change and go, yeah, but that's different. And I never understand that. They go, yeah, but that's not the same, is it? I say, well, no, it's even worse. You're doing it to yourself and you're constantly doing it. And 
you know, I'm, nobody's ever done this. And I say to my client, make a, make a note if you can, how many times you say these negative things to yourself during the day, during an hour, during the morning, you'll lose count because it's so easy. It's so familiar. It's you're used to it. And this is what we're trying to break. And to break this behavior pattern is you have to go to the source. We call it the fountainhead. You have to go right to the source and see where you first inherited that belief. When you first blamed yourself. When you first blamed yourself. Was that something that somebody told you? Did your parents, normally parents, but it could be teachers, it could be, could be siblings, it could be somebody saying, you're stupid, or you're fat, or you're thin, or you've got no sense, or you're crazy, or it's your fault. Uh, it's normally parents, the majority of the time. And then ask yourself, do I trust and believe this source? Whatever the source is, do I believe that everything they say, their character assessment of me as a child, mm -hmm. as a six, seven-year-old child, their character assessment of me is going to now define the rest of my life. Come on. This does not make sense. But this is exactly what's happening. You are giving your definition to someone else and you're saying that they're able to assess me absolutely, totally, and they are true. Everything is my fault from now on. There is something wrong with me. I'm not good enough. I can't cope. I'm unlovable. I have no value. Whatever it is, whatever it is, that cannot be true. Cannot be true. Mm -hmm. And so what's the, what would you say is the overriding life lesson here, David, with this teaching? I think, I think the overriding life lesson is about going back to truth, honesty, and integrity. So if you're saying, okay, I've heard you, David, I'm going to reject your, uh, as your teaching, I am to blame for everything. It's obvious. It's, it's, it's obvious. Then I would ask yourself, do the golden thread, but do it truthfully. Do it with integrity. Why do you believe you are to blame for everything that goes wrong in your life, in other people's life, in the world? Why are you so important? Why does the world revolve around you? Why does the universe revolve around you and what you do and don't do? And do the golden thread and find out that core fountainhead belief. The vow, I call it the vow, because that is changing your life. And at least make sure that you believe your own vow to be the truth. Mm. Because if we move from using the golden thread process from the surface red light emotions, so that could be commonly labeled as guilt, anxiety, then we move down to the thinking, which is it's my fault, it must be me, I'm useless. Then we dig down a little bit deeper by asking those why questions to say, it's because I'm not good enough. It's because I can't cope. It's because I'm not lovable. They're the three lies. And then we get down to the vow, as the you vow. say, which is it must be me. Yes. That's that's when you do the inner child work that's that right. we talk about on so many of other te our other teachings, which I can put links to in the show notes. 
you then work with the inner child to look for the evidence, to recall that first time, as you said, that first experience when you blamed yourself. So that would normally, not every time, but normally be the inner child would say, well, my parents told me this or I inferred it from what my parents did. And then the question is, do you believe everything your parents have ever said to you? Now, the first answer is normally, well, they're my parents. I did, no, no, I didn't ask you that. Do you believe everything your parents have ever said to you? And the obvious answer is, no, I don't. Of course I don't. That's ridiculous. Then the next question is very easy. Then why are you cherry-picking to believe that and then you reject this? See, because you're doing it. You rejected this belief, but you're holding on to that belief. No one else is, only you. They're not making you. No one's making you hold on to that belief. And that's the way that you unravel and you unpick. And that's why the golden thread is so powerful, because it puts the accountability back onto Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. You are choosing to do that. You are choosing to believe that belief, and you are choosing to reject that belief. And that, when we clear the confusion... The difficulty in this is the confusion that you've created over the years. But when that confusion's clear, it basically comes down to a question of what you're choosing. That's why the word habit ingrained and automatically is just a confusion. It's a choice. You're choosing to believe what they said to be gospel and you believe that they define the rest of your life and you're following that pattern of thinking. That's what you're doing. They're not doing it. You're doing it. And I think accountability is a really strong word with this teaching because if the finding that core belief, that vow and questioning it and picking it apart and looking at who gave me that vow is the first life lesson. For me, from what we've talked about, the second life lessons or sub-life lessons here are the accountability, being accountable that we create our emotions, no one gives them to us, but equally understanding by the same token that other people are responsible for their emotions, not me. And also, I guess, teaching the inner child that they cannot control the uncontrollable. So if something bad goes wrong in our life, so we get made redundant or uh, someone we love has an accident, sometimes these things are, they are out of our control By blaming ourselves, we're somehow believing that we can control the uncontrollable. So we need to teach our little child within us that, unfortunately, darling, you cannot control or stop bad things from happening. But the way that I would speak to the inner child is teaching the lesson that you just explained so well. But to say you cannot control the uncontrollable, but you can control your reaction Mm. to it. That's the key. Do you see that little yeah. change? Yeah. But then the inner child goes, oh, so you, you can't control the uncontrollable, but you can control your reaction. And I want your reaction, here's the life lesson, to be truthful, honest, and have integrity. What do you believe? Why do you believe it? You control your emotions. And then you build another path that the child will slowly go down. And you'll be surprised once you start to pick up the momentum. Because remember, if the inner child really values familiarity, if you believe that teaching, the child loves familiarity, loves to know 
how it's going, then once you set the new path, mm -hmm. that becomes familiar. Yeah. So the inner child, and, and this is what always amazes me with clients, when we've done this, they look back and they'll laugh and they say, I can't believe I used to think that. It was so ridiculous because the new way of thinking is the familiar way. And that and that's and then you've made the transition. Now you're walking in your way. Now you're going to flourish. Now you're going to be authentic. Now you're going to be connected to your spirituality. Now you're going to be one rather than separate and fighting this internal fight. Now you're going to be in harmony. And that's what we do these teachings for, for you to live in harmony. Thank you, David. And as I said, we've done lots more teachings that I will put links to in the show notes, covering inner child healing, covering people pleasing, covering, covering things like the CCJ, comparing, criticizing, being judgmental, covering things like how to set boundaries and how to deal with confronting people. So if you want those extra teachings, please check those out. Thank you so much for listening to this week's Wu Wei Wisdom Life Lesson. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and please rate and review us to help us grow. If you'd like to work one-to-one -one with David, he supports clients all over the world every week via video call. You can learn more about David's consultations plus our online events, offers and gifts on our website, wuweiwisdom.com. You can also meet and share with us in our private Facebook group, on our YouTube channel, and on Instagram. Search for Wu Wei Wisdom and you'll find us. Until next time, stay happy, healthy, and in your flow.